，鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。Okay, we've just arrived at the Academia Sinica Biodiversity Research Center. Last time I was here was actually years ago, back when I researched corals, and now we're here back again to find the coral lab researcher here named Shashank. But first, we have to find him, and we have to go past many different laboratories. <laughs> Down here, we have the Laboratory of Fish Behavioral Ecology, the Preparation Room for Terrestrial Ecosystems, the Experimental Aquarium. Wetland Ecology and Conservation Laboratory, quite a diversity. Ah, here it is, the Coral Reef Aquarium, with some dangerous chemical signs on it. I wonder if this is where Shashank is. Hello? Hello. Is this the Coral Lab? Yes, you found it. Welcome to the Coral Lab. This is Shashank Keshavamurti, a coral expert, part of a lab in Taiwan that discovered the link between the moon and coral reproduction last year. When corals need to make baby corals, they release their eggs and sperm into the water around them, and then they synchronize this event across the entire reef all at the same time. Google coral spawning, and you'll get these beautiful pictures of the annual event. Annual, that's right. It happens only once a year, and it goes on for several days, kind of like Burning Man or Lunar New Year. And the party is timed with the lunar cycle. It happens only after a full moon. For the longest time, scientists didn't know why. Is it gravity? Is it the tide? Are corals actually werewolves? In 2021, the Biodiversity Research Center at Academia Sinica in Taiwan found it was actually the darkness—not werewolves, but darkness—the lack of moonlight after a full moon that triggers coral breeding and mating around Taiwan. Very romantic. That's the type of research that happens at this coral lab. They take a coral mystery, they set up some tests, they solve the mystery, and hopefully, they help scientists, conservationists, policymakers, and ocean tourists like you and I create a better environment for these creatures. And the reality is, despite all this coral spawning, they're actually dying, and that's because of climate change. The ocean temperature is rising, and it's killing corals. But scientists are also finding out that some of these corals can resist climate change. So the mystery Shashank Keshavamurti is trying to solve is how resilient are corals to temperature changes, and if we wanted to make sure that at least some corals survive in the future, which species should we save? Hi, this is Waste Not Why Not, a sustainability podcast from Ghost Island Media. I'm Nature Nate, a sustainability consultant based in Taiwan, working on energy, ocean, and waste. Today we're at a coral lab, and we're here to see a coral expert named Shashank Keshavamurti. Shashank has studied corals across Asia for 22 years in India, South Korea, Japan, Lakadives, and now Taiwan. He's setting up an experiment to stress test corals in a lab. So what are we looking at here? I think there's about 12 tanks connected by pipes. There's lights. Looks like there's filters. There's these big blue tanks below them. What is this? Yes, exactly. So this is the experimental setup. We are bringing the corals from the south of Taiwan and also from north of Taiwan. Same coral species. And then put them in these tanks, and then subject them to different temperature stress scenarios, past, present, and future simulations, and then see how same species of coral present in different locations respond to the same temperature stress. Shashank tells us that the average water temperature around Taiwan used to be 29 degrees Celsius in the 90s. Now it's one degree higher. By 2030 or 2050, it could be two or three degrees even higher than now. So he's chosen 29. 
and 33 degrees Celsius for this stress test. So we will gradually put them into different temperatures. Basically all of them will be, for example, 25 degrees in the beginning and then slowly they will increase to 29, 31 and 33. Okay. Within maybe one day or one and a half day. To give them time so they can get yeah, used yeah. to the temperature. Yeah. Can I touch the seawater? Yeah, it's a filtered sea yeah, it's a filtered I don't sea want water. to ruin the experiment. No, nope, it's okay. just test. Yeah, it, it's, it's seawater. It is seawater. Splash it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an amphibian actually. I can, I can. <laughs> So what we are going to do is we bring the colonies around 15 centimeter or 20 centimeter diameter and then we will put them in these blue tanks for acclimation for a few days. Once they are okay, then we are going to frag them, cut them into small pieces. So the, both of them are branching species, so we are going to cut the branches off from those colonies, probably around one to two centimeter in length. And then we are going to fix them with epoxy onto a tube and then we will put them inside the tank. Okay, so break them up. So. Break them up. So you're going to take the coral, it's like a branching coral, looks like a yes. tree branch, break it up into small pieces, yes. and then just take those small pieces that are still the living coral, yes. and glue them. Glue them using epoxy to a tile or a tube. And during the experiment, what are you looking for for signs of stress in the coral? Is it something obvious like bleaching, or do they just, I don't know, change color? Yes, so normally that's the end point. End of the result is to see them bleach, because that's what is happening even in the field. So when there's a high right. temperature, they bleach. And depending on the temperature treatment, they may also die. So healthy coral is colorful coral. Yes. Bleached coral is white coral yes. because the zooxanthellae, the bacteria, leave. Yes. yes. And then is dead coral different from bleached or bleached and dead are the same? Uh, dead coral doesn't have the coral animals inside. Bleached coral oh. still have the coral animals, although they lose their uh, symbiotic partners. They still oh. try to survive if the temperature is back to normal. Actually, the symbiotic partner can multiply again inside the tissue and increase the number of cells. Because they multiply very fast and then become colorful again. So corals are like people. When they're stressed, they react differently. Some yeah, recover yeah, yeah. fast, yeah, some don't. Yeah. When you see a bleached coral, it's yeah. in bad shape, yeah. but some could recover. But yes. you don't want to look at them all and assume, oh, they just need a little bit yeah. of rest and they'll be fine. Yeah, That's the reason why you see even sometimes there is a coral species, half of it is bleached and half is still not bleached. So with this experiment, when Shashank puts a coral branch into 33 degrees Celsius water, he expects it to start showing signs of bleaching within a week, or even four days. But if the species is resistant, then it could just turn a little pale, a little white. Or it might even bounce back to its original color once the stress test is over. But this timeline depends on the species. Each species has its own level of resilience. But there's something else. Shashank says that their memories matter too. But wait, corals don't have a brain. But like humans, corals have the ability to remember the past so that they can adapt to the future. Exposure to historical temperature also makes a big difference for the species resistance mechanisms. Interesting. So the coral can kind of learn to yeah, adapt yeah. So to high are, temperature? Now there are a lot of discussions going on about ecological memory and the physiological memory in corals. So those corals which have gone through multiple stress episodes of temperature bleaching, they can probably remember that and then try to modulate their behavior. Wow. I want to know if it's possible to simulate the temperature stress in the tanks and then look at if they can remember that and then show the physiological plasticity. So for example, what I'm going to do is take the coral species in summer of 2022 and then put them into different temperature scenarios, simulations, mm. and then stress. I will keep the survivor for the next season 
combine them with the samples I get and then conduct the experiment again, can they do better than those samples in the fall? So this temperature stress experiment is really just starting what could be a very long-term yeah. experiment where yeah, you yeah. could tease out this coral memory, see if they can yeah, change yeah. over time. So there are different levels. So the experiment which I want to do now is just very short-term, simple seven days experiment. But it's also important to see long-term experiments like one month, three months, six months. But it also depends on logistics, how we can keep the corals like. Not all corals tank. can survive in no. captivity. No, they, they, not all corals like to be in a tank. <laughs> I think so. They, all they like have to be wild characters. and free. Yes, they all have their own characters and they show different survival. But step by step, one by one, we need to wean out all the characteristics which will help us to determine how or what makes some corals possible to survive in the future. All right, let's take a break here. We've been talking to Shashank Keshavamurti, a postdoctoral research associate at the Biodiversity Research Center at Academia Sinica in Taiwan. He's a part of the coral lab here that studies all things coral, coral evolution, coral ecosystems, and coral behaviors to environmental changes. He's trying to figure out why some corals survive while others don't. Hey guys, it's Emily Waiwu here. I produce Waste Not, Why Not? I want to give a big shout out to the American Institute in Taiwan, AIT, who's supporting this mini-season you're now listening to. AIT, in addition to focusing on climate-related initiatives, is also very supportive of Taiwanese startups and entrepreneurship. And they take sustainability quite seriously. Their new campus in Taipei is LEED Silver Certified. And we have a whole full-length bonus video interview talking to the man who takes care of this green building at AIT. So after today's episode, head over to Ghost Island Media on YouTube and to the playlist Waste Not, Why Not? Now, back to Nate. Welcome back to Waste Not, Why Not? We've been talking to coral researcher Shashank Keshavamurti about his experiment to find the survival of the fittest coral. Shashank has been working with corals for 22 years. When he first got into lab testing corals, he and his teammates were studying stress biomarkers. They wanted to identify molecular markers or physiological markers during a temperature stress test so they can begin to identify the origins of these changes. He's conducted experiments in India, the Lacadives, Japan, Palau, Jeju in South Korea, and now Taiwan. So you've been to a lot of places in the Pacific. Yes. Not Australia. No, <laughs> I, I like this region because it's very dynamic because it consists of different type of coral reef and also different kind of species distribution, different environmental you know, gradients. So you have 12 different tanks. This experiment you said is built on previous work. How much preparation has gone into this experiment that you'll be starting now? I mean, this idea we got three years ago because it's only in Taiwan we can do this kind of experiment. We can bring the coral all the way from the south and also collect from the north and then put them in one location and then do the experiment. It's only possible in Taiwan because of wow. the distance between the reefs. All the locations are not so much and it can be achieved in just one day. We tried this in 2019. We bring the corals from the south and then put them in Chilong in the north with the corals from the north. Unfortunately, those corals, they die even before we start the experiment. They died before the experiment. Yeah. What killed them? Who did it? Probably because of the stress of them traveling all the way from south to north. Mm. They couldn't recover enough or difference in water chemistry between north and south. Mm. 
Something that maybe our listeners have heard is that under different climate change scenarios, different degrees of warming, there'll be different survival rates for global coral. And I saw recently that under 1.5 degrees of warming, they say something like 90% of corals will disappear. Under two degrees of warming, something like 98% of corals will disappear. And you're just saying now that you know different corals have different abilities to survive warming temperatures. What, what do you think about these types of warming scenarios, 1.5 versus two degrees? Yeah, the scenarios are scenarios because they're all based on modeling, yes. But basically, what we are 100% sure is that we are seeing increasing temperatures, especially in the places where I like to work, in the marginal regions. Mm. So in, in South Korea, in Jeju, and in, in high-latitude Japan, they all show the characteristic 1 to 1.5 degree increase in temperature from last 100 years. Already. Average temperatures. Already Even Taiwan degrees. are the same. It wow. comes under the same. So you're doing these temperature stress with these scenarios for climate change and obviously looking at the future about what, what will happen to corals as temperatures get hotter all around the world with different species. What does this mean for policymakers? What does this mean for individuals? What can we extrapolate from this research? Does this mean that you know we need to just accept that some coral are going to die or some coral are going to move and we have to anticipate these moving corals? Um, well, there are many aspects to this. Personally, I want to understand the physiology of different coral species, which we don't have a lot of information on, because every location or every country has very specific coral species. So now how this goes into the next step of helping people or how policymakers can use this is, we know that corals are dying. There will be extinction of corals in the future probably more than 50% or in some locations it's even 90%, we don't know. But it's very important for us to understand that who can survive and who cannot survive. Because if I want to conserve something, we should spend money on those which have potential to survive, mm. rather than spend money on the corals which are going to die. So this is something like coral triage, where there's yes. only a certain amount of coral that we can save going yes. into the future. Yes. How do we identify who's most likely to live? Yes, but the problem is that the corals which are most probably will die or go extinct are the ones which are very important for coral reef building, the 3D structure of corals. So we still have to solve the problem of those disappearing corals. That's why you see a lot of conservation where they are spending money on growing the corals and relocating them into right. the sea. Coral reef restoration, restoration where they projects. build these like coral skeletons and yes. try and grow the coral on top yes, of it. on top of it or restoring like, you know, growing the corals in the, in the tank and then put the newborn juveniles into the sea. They're all those potential species which are reef building and important species. Mm. But at some point of the time, we need to accept the fact that Yes, in some locations, maybe we cannot do anything. And then we have to at least take care of those corals which can survive in the future. So this has implications for these people who have a good intention of restoring coral habitats, but they might be trying to restore corals back into an ocean that they can no longer live in. Yeah, we don't know. It's kind of sad that we don't know because we don't know the physiology of every coral species. That's the point of right. my experiment. I want to do as many species as possible because then we can compare. We can make like kind of a map or manual of physiological behavior of every species 
uh, and then see, okay, this species has potential E1. If the temperature is plus three or plus four in the future, they can survive. Mm. So, but people are still doing a lot of things like assisted adaptation, assisted evolution. So they're trying to create more resistant symbiotic partners and then put them into coral host and then put those coral into the areas which are high temperature or possibly degraded. So these are kind of going on. Um, many people are doing many things and trying everything because we don't know which is going to work. It's like a lottery. We try every possible thing. So everyone is trying to do desperately everything. So your research is just one part of this greater picture about coral, about how are coral going to adapt yes, to a yes. climate disrupted world? Yes. How can we save them? And then how can this research help others yes. try and restore habitat? Yes. That's the thing. So we have to get information from all aspects. So the physiology part, we can find differences in different coral species, which will help to other people who are doing other research. Yeah. yeah. So some takeaways that I hear is coral are not all the same. Coral have memories. Coral, like people handle stress differently. Coral are different north to south. They like different climates. Yes. And they're in very serious trouble, but some percentage of them can survive in the future. Sure. And we need to work to find out who's going to survive. Yeah, that's the point. Who is going to survive and who is not going to survive. That's heavy work, Shashank. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for showing us around the lab and explaining all of this and going so in-depth and being so generous with your time. Hope to come back in the future and check on those coral and hope to see the survivors. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for giving me this opportunity to talk. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It was nice. Thanks, Shashank. Thanks, Nate. All right, let's take a break here. We've been talking to Shashank Keshavamurti about coral survival. When we come back, Let's find out what all this means in the real world. Hey, did you like our new theme tune? For those in Taiwan, you'd recognize that as a remix of the Garbage Truck song. And uh, I didn't make it, spoiler alert. There's a team, there's a team working on this show. We have producers, music people, editors, and to support that team, we need well, we need money, unfortunately. And the best way to support the show is to go to patreon.com slash wastenotwhynot and set up monthly donations. There's also member benefits. You can suggest ideas for the show and talk with us. So going down to patreon.com slash wastenotwhynot and become a monthly donator today. Welcome back to Waste Not Why Not. We've been learning about coral survival. Shashank is trying to figure out how corals will adapt to rising ocean temperatures to help us save them from extinction. And here, I want to tell you about a weird story from Taiwan that gives you a glimpse of nature at work. Picture a beach. Picture birds, fishes, plants, coconut crabs, animals on this beach. This is Taiwan. Taiwan has incredible biodiversity. It's home to 2.6% of the world's species. And that number is even higher for corals. A third of the world's coral species are found here. Take that, Hawaii. Just kidding. All corals are important. Now, let's go back to that beach. Put a nuclear power plant right there, right on the beach. Why, why do you ask? Why put a nuclear power plant where the coral are? Well, at the time, the government said they didn't know there were corals there. All they knew was that in this part of the beach, cool water from the ocean rose up. We call this an upwelling. This makes it a prime location for a nuclear power plant. And for probably centuries, 
Corals in this area got used to the regular stream of cold water, switching back from hot and cold, sort of like ending your shower with a cold water. It makes you stronger, and that's true for corals too. Remember what Shashank said about corals and memories? Corals here remember temperature changes. And what is the future of our ocean if not a regular temperature change? So in a way, this location has been like a climate change simulator. Eventually, people realized there were coral here and biodiversity. This beach with the nuclear power plant on it became a national park, the first national park in Taiwan in 1984, which was also the first year that McDonald's came to Taiwan. People also noticed coral here were stronger than neighboring corals. They don't die when it's too hot. I wish I had that power in Taiwan. And this makes them strong coral. And remember how Shashank and other coral researchers all around the world are looking for strong corals that can survive climate change? Well, this is one way to find them. Sort of like a superhero movie where you find a hero in the most unlikely place, like finding Thor in the desert or Luke on Tatooine. We never know where we'll find strong coral, near a nuclear plant, near an airport. That's why we need to protect all corals everywhere to give them the best chance at survival. In short, stop destroying corals, please. And if you've already forgotten why we need corals, then go back to the last episode on this feed and we'll tell you. We don't touch them, we don't eat them, we don't do coral murder. And that's why, for the ocean, big changes and little changes matter. If you live near coral, protect them. If you don't, fight climate change. You're still protecting coral. It isn't about one best way. It's about everyone working together, however they can, to save everything we can. Researchers, dive instructors, EV designers, solar financers, facilities managers, podcast producers, designers, government employees, basketball fans. Everyone has a role to play, even you. That's it for today. Thank you again for listening all the way till the end. You can look up Shashank's work by Googling his research. In the next episode, we create a game show on the circular economy. I'm Nature Nate. This is Waste Not, Why Not, a Ghost Island media production based in Taipei, Taiwan. Emily Waiwu is our producer. Yu Chen is our audio editor. Gerald Williams is our intern and resident Marvel expert. New theme tune produced by Dak Chang. New show logo by Southwick Graphics. This episode was done in collaboration with the American Institute in Taiwan. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.